Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your spiritual journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. All right. Welcome to the Valley Church. My name is Taylor Mabry, and I'm one of the pastors here at the Valley. And I am so excited to be joining you guys today and just bringing you the Word of God and being able to dive into what He has to say to us. So we're going to dive right in. And today I want to start off with a question. And I want you to take a minute to think about this. Have you ever been stereotyped? Have you ever had someone label you or stereotype you in a way that can maybe even be humorous? For example, if you're super tall, people might automatically think that you play basketball or that you're really good at basketball. Or maybe if you're a college student, people automatically assume that you drink coffee 24-7 in order to like stay alive, which is partially true or was true for me. But these are funny stereotypes that we often have. So how have you been stereotyped? Some stereotypes can be super funny, others very specific, others really broad, and so Today, I want to tell you to start off about three stereotypes that I have. I kind of like to call myself a triple threat because of these three stereotypes. So first of all, I was a pastor's kid growing up. Therefore, I had a world of stereotypes put on me as I was growing up. Second of all, I was homeschooled. Being homeschooled also brought a new world of stereotypes. For example, when people ask me where I went to school and I say, oh, I was homeschooled, they go, oh, but but you're so social and I'm always like thank you thank you is that a compliment or is it like what is that like people automatically would assume things about me or assume that I should have certain qualities and then my third and final stereotype is now I'm a youth pastor and that also brings in new stereotypes because now that I'm an adult everyone just always asks me like what do you do for a living that's kind of the automatic question and so as an adult People are like, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, oh, well, I'm a youth pastor. And they always go, oh, okay. So, so what do you do? And I'm like, I work with teens. And they go, oh, okay. So what exactly do you do? And then I just laugh and I'm always like, never mind. Don't worry about it. Like there are just always certain things that are going to come with these stereotypes that I have, and I've kind of lived with these my whole life. Now, I can find these funny because I've, you know, grown accustomed to them. I've grown accustomed to how people will react to me or how people tell me I should act based on being a pastor's kid or homeschooled or depending on what kind of job I have. And so stereotypes can be humorous. And at the exact same time, so many of our stereotypes can also be really, really harmful if we're not careful because stereotypes are not only a box that we can put people in but they're also you know labels and in our world today we tend to lean towards a dangerous level of labeling people and boxing people up and not seeing them for who they actually are because you know if we aren't careful all we see are labels and boxes and stereotypes and things that can separate us from each other and groups of people that we just automatically put someone into just because we assume a certain thing about them. And while there are certain things about us that shape who we are, such as our upbringing, where we went to school and our job, and they shape us and our past actions can shape us, that is not our true identity. And I want us to stop and actually think about this for a minute. Because 
while this can be humorous, it can lean toward the dangerous level when we actually create a culture of seeing people for more, for less than what we want them to be. And so our stereotypes and our labels are everywhere. This becomes dangerous when all of a sudden we start to do a term called dehumanization. Now dehumanization is the process of depriving a person or a group of positive human qualities. And as Christians, dehumanization is probably one of the most dangerous things, in my opinion, that we can do because it divides us from loving people the way that God calls us to love them and it devalues them. And sadly, in the world that we live in, we live in a culture that calls for us to assume, label, and group people into a category without really getting to know them based on our preferences or our perceptions. And this is a dangerous game that we play because we slowly dehumanize people by seeing people like the world sees them and not how God sees them, which is so important for us and so important for who we are as Christians. Now, this is not something that's unique to us. This has been happening for thousands of years. This happened all the time in the Bible where Jesus would see people for something very different as opposed to the crowd or his disciples around him. There are so many stories. When I was thinking about what I was going to preach on, I could not settle on a story for a very long time because the Bible is full of stories of Jesus stopping and seeing people and their true identity but I actually landed on a very interesting story. And so today we are going to be looking at Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. And this is the story of Zacchaeus. So this is going to encapsulate how we are called to love people and see more than just what's on the outside. So I'm really excited. So let's dive into what we have today. So Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. And it says, He, being Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. This is a great story. Jesus is walking through Jericho. It actually seems like Jesus never was intending to stop in Jericho. He was passing through. And this man named Zacchaeus was trying to find Jesus. Now Zacchaeus is kind of the main character of the story. In order to understand though what we can learn from this, we have to understand who Zacchaeus was. Now Zacchaeus, it says, was a chief tax collector. This was not a well-liked person. Zacchaeus was someone who everyone would have viewed as being more of an oppressor. So in order to get the title of chief tax collector back then, you would have had to cheat people out of their money and charge them 
way more than they actually owed you. So he had a reputation for not being a very nice guy, probably. On top of that, he was rich. And in order to get rich, it typically meant that you might have cheated the system or he was using people in order to get to that position of authority. I want you to picture in your mind someone who really you dislike. You might disagree with something they do. They might be seem like an oppressor to you or someone who kind of puts you down or someone who has used you in a bad way. That was Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was known for being a tax collector and therefore was labeled as someone not worthy to talk to Jesus. But instead, instead of passing by, Jesus actually looks up into the tree and says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I'm going to your house. Now you can understand why the rest of the crowd was like, <laughs> excuse me, you're doing what now? You're hanging out with that sinner, that person. You don't know what he's done. You don't know who he is. But Jesus looks at Zacchaeus and he doesn't see the outside label that everyone else sees. Instead, he sees a creation of God. He sees a man that is so loved by God that he will stop everything to go and talk to him. He saw who God saw and not what the rest of the world wants to see. So the question is, what on earth can we learn from this? Well, in order to fully understand what we can learn from this, we have to start at a very core, which is our identity. And so we have to understand that our identity is not in worldly labels. I want to start here because you need to know who you are and your identity and the identity that you can embrace in order to therefore understand how God created others and to understand how we're called to love others. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So basically, the Bible is saying that we are God's creation. This is not new to some people in here. However, it can be mind-boggling when we actually think what that means. It means that we often, when we forget this, we only see the messed up parts of ourselves. We see the labels. We see our mistakes. We see how we're so unlovable. We see everything that is wrong with us. But when God looks at you, he sees his creation. The Bible goes on to say more examples, but there's great one in Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So not only were we created by God, but he created everyone for a purpose. Now here's the key. Whether we accept that purpose or not is up to us. But he knows who he created. And when we can embrace that, we find our purpose. We find our identity. And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he sent down his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Here's the deal. We are so important and loved by God. And he created us for a special purpose. And he created us to join with him and have this identity in him. So we are loved we have a purpose, and we are his creation. When you accept a relationship with God, you become a child of God. 
And there is nothing that can shake that. You know, there is nothing in this world and that this world could possibly do to you to tear that down. However, while everyone was created and loved by God, we have to actually step into that choice to be in a relationship with him and seek a life with him to understand and embrace our identity. That is who we are. We are meant to be called into this great relationship with God and to embrace the identity that we have in him. When we understand how loved we are, we can actually function out of a place of love because we're not as insecure. This is key because Jesus didn't see people for their worldly labels and their actions, things that he didn't believe that that defined who they were. While the rest of the world saw Zacchaeus as a cheater, as a liar, and as a manipulator, Jesus looked to him as someone to be loved and someone that God loved. Now, I'm not saying that Zacchaeus hadn't done bad things. Of course, Zacchaeus had done bad things. That was important. That's why at the end of the story, Zacchaeus says, I am going to repent and I am going to give back the money that I have stolen from people. That is key. But that wasn't the first thing that Jesus did. Jesus chose to show a radical love by seeing him as more than just what's on the outside. And as people, we like to take on all the labels and accusations that are thrown onto us and make that our identity. When Jesus looks at you and he sees you, he sees more than just what's on the outside. You are not your job. You are not your political beliefs. You are not the group of friends that you hang out with. You are not your grades. You are not fill in the blank. Whatever you might deem to be identifying who you are. And when we understand that nothing that is wrong with us, that we would deem wrong with us, defines who we are and our identity can be in Christ and we are so loved as a creation of God, we understand something very important. To understand that you are created by God and loved by God, you understand why Jesus saw Zacchaeus the way that he did. And this is so important because it helps us understand the next point. So first of all, we can understand that our identity is not in worldly labels. And once we get that, we can understand that we need to look past the label, the label that is put on other people. Now, I'm not saying that you will not disagree with the choices that people make, that you will not disagree with things that are on the outside, that you will not disagree with people, or that you will not be upset with people. People mess up. We mess up a lot. However, when we can understand that we need to look past the labels, we can understand who God wants us to see, which is a creation of God, someone to be loved, someone to show love to, a radical love. In 1 John 4, verses 7 through 8, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. As Christians, as people who embrace an identity in Christ, as people who can understand the love of God, we are called to love. And I'm not going to lie. It's hard. We get so mad so easily these days. 
We get so frustrated and it's hard to see someone as more than just what is driving us crazy. But people are going to mess up and we're called to love them. You know, when I was in high school, I was about 17 years old and I worked at Panera Bread. It's a terrible place to work if you really like bread because there's bread everywhere. And so while I really enjoyed my job because I love bread and I love food, it was not the best place to work. However, as much as that job was a good part-time job, I had a little bit of an issue. So my general manager and my assistant manager were best friends. They were best friends, roommates. They were like really close. The assistant manager was a really nice lady, but the general manager, she was difficult. She tended to get really angry at us. She had no patience for us. She would often get very bitter. She would tell us everything that we're doing wrong, and she was just generally not a nice person to be around. Her and I often butted heads. One day, uh, about a month before Christmas, I needed to ask off for a few days around Christmas. And so I went in and I turned in my days that I needed off. And it was well within the time frame, even way outside of the time frame that I needed to ask off for Christmas. And instead of giving me the days off, she just lost it on me. She started yelling at me. She was like, how dare you? What do you think you're doing? She's like, you can't, not everyone can, you know, ask off for these days. And she just let me have it. I was so mad. I remember going home and I was crying and I was really upset. And I was like, how is she so mean? And why is she so rude? And doesn't she have any sympathy? And I'm just a high school student and like, leave me alone. And I was so frustrated with her. And I remember going home and being like, I'm going to go back to work tomorrow and I'm going to demand these days off. I'm going to tell them who's boss. I'm going to show them what I can do and what I need. Because this is, you know, this is my job. I can, I can ask off for these days. So the next day I go into work and I'm ready to show her who's boss, you know, little 17-year-old me, probably a little bit shorter than I am now. It's probably a very funny picture. But I go into work and the assistant manager is in there and I'm like, hey, well, I need these days off. And the assistant manager is like, yeah, okay. And she just gives me the days off. And I'm like, oh. And then I'm like, well, this is what happened. The general manager yelled at me yesterday and I kind of explained to her what happened. And the assistant manager said, look, I'm so sorry. Like, she shouldn't have yelled at you. Uh, right now, she's just going through a really difficult time. She's having a lot of family issues. Uh, her boyfriend of several years just broke up with her, and, and people have been not showing up to work since the holiday season. They won't, even, they won't even tell us. They're just not showing up. And I felt inside of me, I had a moment of embarrassment, and I was like, oh. And I think I distinctly remember this story because I think it was the first time that I really looked at someone, and I saw that there's more to them than just what's on the outside. Like, it's like the moment when the light bulb kind of goes on. And after that point, I really stopped having as much issues with my general manager. Now, hear me clearly. I'm not saying that you shouldn't go in and stand up to bullies. What she did was wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. So yes, I had to go in and be firm. I needed these days off. That's okay. However, from that point on, I didn't have as many issues because all of a sudden I started seeing her as a human being and as someone that we're called to love and as someone who's going through a lot of issues and not as my enemy. We often see people as our enemies the second that they do something that we don't like or the second that we disapprove of something that they've done. 
Our world is so busy telling you to first notice the outside of someone and to box them up quickly that we forget that there's a human inside of there that desperately needs Jesus. And did you notice in the story of Zacchaeus that Zacchaeus was hungry for Jesus? He was seeking after Jesus. He went to go find Jesus. There are people all around you who are seeking Jesus, but we don't even notice it because we're too busy noticing whether they wear a mask or not. We're too busy noticing whether they have a liberal t-shirt on, whether they're flying a Trump flag, whether they're voting for a certain person, whether they're wearing a certain brand of clothes or they have a certain job or what kind of car they drive or what kind of people they hang out with or what kind of opinion they have about world events. We're so busy noticing everything that we can pick a fight with and that we can disagree with that we totally forget and miss the opportunity to see someone who's desperately in need of the love of God, who's desperately in need of being shown the love of Christ. And we all have problems. We have so many problems. But Jesus doesn't see us for for the outside. God doesn't see us for everything that the world is trying to label you. He doesn't define us like that. And he calls us as Christians and as people who love him to look past that as well. This is so important because when you see a person as only the outside, only for the labels that you want them to have, you will never be able to effectively show them the love of God. You will never be able to show them the love of God if all you see is everything that's wrong with them. And so we're called to love people. This is so hard though, because how are we supposed to do this? It's nice to walk away from here and go, oh yeah, I need to love others more. That's cool. Cool, I'll love others more. But it's, it's much harder to really put it into some application. So I wanted to go over two basic ways that I like to try and remind myself because this is very difficult to do in order to see people as more than just the labels that they're put under. The first one is that if we're going to see people for where God sees them, we have to listen first and talk later. One of the best ways to start deconstructing the box the world tries to put them into is to listen first. The first thing that Jesus went and did was go eat a meal with Zacchaeus. He listened, he talked, he laughed, he was present. Then Zacchaeus, I'm sure after some conversations with Jesus, ended up giving up half of his possessions and repenting. That coworker at work that you know has a very different opinion than you do, very different political beliefs, is never going to listen to your life and your relationship with God if you don't actually stop and listen to them first. You have to see people with more than just your eyes. And you have to see people for more than what the world says that they are. Now, I'm not saying that everyone's going to want to talk to you. We live in a world right now where we like to shut people out. We are training ourselves to shut people out and not listen. So not everyone's going to want to talk to you. But by sitting down and having that community first and showing that love is going to bring in God. 
So when I was actually like going over the sermon the other day, I was really frustrated. I ended up talking about it with my dad because I was so frustrated because I was like, this is so hard because there are things that people do that I just get frustrated with. And I'm like, stop, what are you doing? No, don't you know that that's wrong? Don't you know that goes against what the Bible says? And that's all I want to do. And I'm like, that's why it's so frustrating. And I'm like, I just want to change their mind. Or I want to I lead them to what God, how God wants them to live. And my dad was like, yeah, you know what? That's the great part about it is that God's great love will call people to repentance. It was like a light bulb went on for me. God's great love will call people to repentance. Taylor, me, is not going to single-handedly turn someone's life around. I am not that awesome. <laughs> but God can call people to a life change and a love that is beautiful. But it takes us to show his love first. And the more you talk and the more you listen and the more you interact and build that relationship, the more God can get his foot in the door and start changing hearts towards him, to love him, to know him, to find a confidence and an identity in him that is unlike anything else. I'm not saying that we don't call people to a higher standard, or that we don't challenge people in the way that sometimes that they're living. But Zacchaeus ended up giving away half of his possessions and turned away from cheating people, not because Jesus looked at him and said, Zacchaeus, get down here. How dare you? Stop what you're doing. Do you know how wrong you are? Zacchaeus didn't do it because of that. Zacchaeus did it because Jesus said, hey, I want to show you community. I want to show you friendship. I want to show you the love of God. And then Zacchaeus turned and said, I want this relationship. And it, if he had not gone to his house and had community with him, it may have never happened. So listen first, talk later, God will open doors. It's about showing the love of Christ and being able to see people for more than what's on the outside. A second way that you can best love people is to actually get to know who God made you to be. This will directly affect how you view others. When you understand who you are in God, your identity in God. We cannot live on this surface level acceptance of his love. We have to step forward and embrace who he created you to be. There is more to people than meets the eye. There is more to you than meets the eye. And we are called to actively pursue how God wants you to see yourself. And when you see that, you will start to see that in others. The level of love that we have in our hearts is going to be what is overflowing to others. And if we have this much of a relationship with God, this shallow of a relationship with God, we are not going to be filled with his love to go and therefore show it to others. And here's the thing. I don't know who you're having a difficult time loving today. I don't know if it's yourself, the person down the street, that person in the Facebook comments, that person with the different political beliefs, that poor person at the store entrance asking you to wear a mask, please be nice to them. 
They can't help it. I don't know who you're having a difficult time loving today. But I hope that what you can take away from this is that you are so much more loved by God than you know, and he sees so much more in you. And as you're going about your life, I challenge you, as you stop watching this, as you leave your house today, as you're interacting with others, that you aren't just thinking, oh, that was a cute sermon about loving your neighbor. Okay, we do that all too often. I do that all too often. I walk out and I go, oh, that was nice. That was, that was nice. I should love people more. But this, what, what Jesus is showing us is a radical love that we are called to as Christians. I have to force myself to check myself and make sure that I am not putting people in a box. This sermon made me really check and see who am I trying to label and who am I not seeing as a creation of God that needs to be loved. And I want you to try and grasp this life-changing reality of the love of God, and it will make people uncomfortable. It will make you uncomfortable. The people with Jesus and Zacchaeus that day were livid. They were uncomfortable because Jesus chose to show him love first and not second. And God calls us to a radical love of people. For that is about shifting our perspective to see more than what the world tells you to see. And God's love can change your life and someone else's when we actually allow it to. And so that's our challenge. How can we go out into a world that tries to box us up, that tries to label us, that tries to put us in a certain group that causes us to be so negative about others that we dehumanize others? And how can we as Christians start tearing down those barriers, tearing down those walls, and radically showing the love of God in a way that will cause people to see God for who he is, because people are seeking Jesus. And oftentimes, we may be the only Jesus that people see. And so that's my challenge to you to get today. Know that you are loved by God. Know that God loves others and wants to use you to spread his kingdom and his love. Let's pray today. God, I just want to thank you so much for everyone who is here, everyone who's present, everyone who gets to witness this. I pray that you are speaking through your scriptures today, that you are speaking to people no matter where they are, no matter what they're doing, no matter how they're listening today, that you are present with them, that you are encouraging us to show who we are, understand who we are in you, and then challenge us to look past the labels that the world wants to put us in. Challenge us to look past the labels that the world wants to tell us to see others as. So I pray that you open our hearts and you open our minds and you help us understand how we can best love others so that you can change lives, so that we can be used by you to speak life and love into other people and not to group up in negative ways, and not to make other people what they are not. I pray that you can use us to further your kingdom and call us into your love today and call us into this fellowship with you. God, I just thank you so much for today. I pray that everyone has an amazing rest of their week and that you just keep blessing us and keep protecting us. We love you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, go with God, be at peace, and have an amazing week.
Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure you subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected to all things the Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend because change lives, change lives.